and welcome to Fresh Fusion, a show where we kick around ideas on content creation and the open web. My name is Jared White, and this is episode 79, Midnight in Portland. Yes, my friends, I'm recording this very late in the evening. By the time I finish recording the episode and do some light editing, it will be midnight. So we're not quite there yet, but uh, this is, uh, yeah, me at the end of a long day of work, relaxing with you all, feeling pretty chill. Uh, I wanted to catch up on some thoughts around success and marketing, and content creation, and productivity, and all that good stuff. Uh, Talk a little bit about creative tools, about a tweet going viral, chasing views on YouTube, all sorts of things along those lines. Uh, But before I get into all of that, I wanted to comment real quick on the recent Apple event. Uh, Yes, it is that time of the year. When Apple does their big event announcing new iPhones and related products, in total, I found the event rather boring. (laughs) Not going to lie. But one product truly caught my eye. And it might not be the product you expect, because it sure wasn't the product that I expected. I, I really was shocked. Not like shocked, shocked, but truly genuinely shocked uh, that this product uh, stood out to me above all else that was announced. And that is the Apple Watch Ultra. (laughs) I never thought these words would escape my lips, but the most exciting product that Apple has released in some time is the Apple Watch Ultra. (laughs) I want the Apple Watch Ultra so bad. (laughs) Yeah, um, I don't want to get too far into all the details and, you know, covering all that because that's not what this episode is about. And I really want to try one in person before I formulate too strong of an opinion on it. Um, But just looking at all the, you know, all the product photos and reading the details on the website and, you know, seeing how it was introduced in the keynote, um, I just find this product so fascinating. Uh, I think... It might be the first Apple product that they've proudly advertised as getting dirty, like (laughs) truly dirty, grime caked on the screen. Uh, Like this thing looks industrial. It looks like looks like a a gritty industrial product that you're going to wear in extreme environments and it's going to get dirty and it's going to have stuff stuck to it. And then you're going to wipe it off with your sleeve or something like (laughs) it's so weird like that's that's not what people think of when they think apple like you go to a person on the street and you think what are apple products like and you know you can imagine people explaining like oh they look so clean and so sophisticated and so fashionable and so beautiful like this this pristine work of art like you, you think back on products like the like the cube the Power Mac G4 Cube, and it's like, this is going to go on display at a museum of modern art. Like, that's the aesthetic 
And then you fast forward to Apple Watch Ultra, and it's like, you can wear this when you're up on the mountain, and you're backpacking, and it's snowy, and it's raining, and you're falling in the mud, and you're going to get mud on your Apple Watch Ultra, and then you're going to wipe it off, and it's going to be okay. Like, that's just bizarre. (laughs) This is a different Apple. This is a different kind of product for a different kind of user, and I think that's just fantastic. (laughs) It's really something else. I I mean, you look at this thing. I I I have a photo of the of the Apple Watch on someone's wrist. It's the it's the one where it's all black and white, but then the Apple Watch Ultra on the person's wrist is is in color and it has grime on it. And you see that big that big honking crown, that new crown that's like big and gear like and it's just it almost looks like it's heading into steampunk territory. I just love it. I love it. It's so cool. And and it surprised me a little bit when I was hearing other folks commenting on this watch, you know, like other podcasts and and on Twitter and stuff. And and some people like I'm not sure they're quite getting it. (laughs) But, you know, they're, they're kind of looking at it and they're like, this this doesn't quite seem to fit like what Apple normally does with the watches and maybe certain people will find it interesting but this isn't a mainstream product at all and who's gonna really want to spend the money on this thing and it's this like big honking thick thing and like there's a lot of sort of questioning you know how relevant this is to some mass market I'm just like who cares who cares? Like no, nobody questions, you know, who's going to buy an Aston Martin. Nobody questions who's going to buy a, you know, some some vehicle that's, you know, specifically for off-roading and has big giant 4x4, you know, wheels and like there's all kinds of products out there that are that are rugged or adventurous or like high luxury in some very specific way or, you know, whatever. And they're not, you know, built to serve a mass market audience but everyone in the mass market audience aspires to you know to get that one day right it's it's this very um you know aspirational product and and i and one person i think who who gets it that that was on a podcast um you know might have even been uh i don't know jason snell probably because he usually has his finger on the pulse of apple products um but you know talking about this being an aspirational product um, you know, is everyone who buys an Apple Watch Ultra really going to be, you know, scuba diving and climbing mountains and, and you know, doing all these different things? No, of course not. But it's going to make them want to do it. <laughs> they're they're going to see this thing and maybe buy this thing and it's going to be there on their wrist. And they're going to be like, man, like I could go backpacking now with this thing on my wrist. <laughs> so it's aspirational. And um, and in that respect, it's totally an Apple product. Apple makes aspirational products. Sometimes their products are, are you know, more sophisticated or, or more, you know, uh, pushing the envelope in some way than you need. And that's okay. Like it, it makes you want to do more creative things. I remember back, um, you know, when Apple came out with all the original iLife stuff, you know, things like iMovie and GarageBand. It's like, is there a mainstream market for for movie making, like editing videos on your computer and exporting things out to DVDs? And like, there was a lot of stuff where it, you know, at first glance, you might think like, 
you know, this this isn't like a mainstream product. This is a, a creative product for a small cadre of creative professionals. And no, no, this is Apple saying, hey, folks, like you can all be musicians now and make music on the computer. You can all be video editors and make your own movies. You know, you can all be photographers and learn photography and and love, you know, fall in love with photography and use iPhoto to manage all your photos. Like these were aspirational products that eventually would appeal to a mass market. And I think Apple Watch Ultra could be that. Apple Watch Ultra could be the new iLife, right? This this is the new product that's like, you can all go on adventures. You can all do these extraordinary things and, and see the world and, and, you know, go to these extreme environments and push yourself physically and mentally and Apple Watch Ultra will be there for you. <laughs> I love that. I just love it so much. Uh, anyway... Wow, that segment went on way longer than I expected. <laughs> yeah, so moving right along, um, I wanted to talk a bit about how I'm using some different tools to help with productivity. Um, but before I start boring you to tears with talk of using software to do productivity, like <laughs> I know that topic can can really get dry and and you know, pretty, pretty down in the weeds. So I, I really kind of want to frame this as like, like there's a, there's a number of, of activities I do these days to help manage what I'm working on, what I'm planning to work on. And, you know, rather than just like grab tools and then, you know, like figure out how to use the tools to get productive, I've actually kind of gone backwards. I've figured out the workflows I want to have to be productive, and then I've sought out tools that fit my mental model of how these things uh, will make me productive. Um, so, you know, I, I've sort of evaluated various tools for various use cases, and I feel like I've settled on a pretty good set of things. Uh, so the first tool I want to talk about is an app called Milanote. And this is something I actually discovered and used for a bit uh, several years ago, uh, but they didn't have a, a very good story for iPad at that time. There, there's no native iPad app. Uh, they they now have an app that I think is kind of a hybrid app. Like like you can install it and run it natively on iPad, but I think a lot of the stuff under the hood is still their essentially their web app. Um, but it works a lot better than before. Like to me, it's now usable, which is awesome. And I love Milanote because uh, you can create these boards that are pretty freeform and you can pretty much just, you know, create like columns and stick notes in columns or you can stick notes kind of anywhere really. And you can, you know, draw lines and connect different notes together visually. You can like draw segments on the screen and put notes, you know, on either side of it to kind of, you know, create uh, visually distinctive areas of stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm using this in two very specific ways. And one of them I actually tried a different tool for uh, and ended up not really liking it. Um, I tried using Omniplan. Yeah, I think it is Omniplan for a little while to do this thing I'm about to describe. Um, but it was kind of overkill and a bit fiddly to get working well. So now I'm just using Milanote. So I'm going to describe to you now what I use Milanote for. 
I know it's hard to describe visual things on a podcast, but uh, please bear with me. Uh, So imagine you have a line going down the middle of your screen, and that line represents now. It's the present. This line is the present. And anything to the right of it is the future, and anything to the left of it is the past. We won't really worry about the future thing, because I'm not using this to organize the future. I'm using this to keep track of the past. And here's what I mean. Uh, I have like a whole bunch of essentially publishing channels or like kind of like meta projects. They're not like individual projects. They're like the things that projects will fit inside of. So for example, this podcast would be a project Uh, or uh, Bridgetown, the open source software I work on. That would be a project or uh, Yared, which is my moniker as a musician. That would be a project. Uh, so, you know, so I have a few projects kind of determined and I create these little notes representing these projects and I organize them in sort of a fuzzy manner according to how recently I touched that project, right? So, so remember that vertical line I described, that's now. And then any project I've touched recently would be only to a little bit to the left of that line but some other project I haven't touched in like a year would be like way left of the line. And then something that's like literally years old, <laughs> it's gone totally stale. It's like way out in the boonies, way to the left. Um, so, um, you know, th- again, this is me just kind of manually, you know, in a sort of fuzzy way, like laying out all these things. So once you do that, once you do this exercise, and you'll want to update this, like, say, once a month or once every couple months to kind of, you know, rejigger where all these projects lie relative to the now line. Once you have this, you can see very clearly at a glance what's getting your attention, you know, the stuff you've touched recently and stuff that's gone stale. You forgot about it or you got sidetracked or other stuff took priority or whatever. And, you know, now those things are like way on the left. They're way in the past. Uh, They're not, you know, active anymore. Um, And you can see this and you can use this chart to determine, you know, what you need to change. Like if some things that you've touched recently, you're feeling good about, like, oh, I've put a lot of effort into those projects lately. Um, You know, maybe you can take your foot off the gas a little bit and focus on something else. Uh, or maybe something is like way old and you realize like, yeah, you know, that never really went anywhere. Uh, I kind of kind of got burnout on it and I don't feel motivated to pick it up again. You know, for now, I'm just going to leave it way off in the boonies there. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I loved having this kind of you know timeline graph of all of your various publishing channels, your sort of big main projects in your creative life. Um, and being able to, you know, just see at a glance where everything lies, um, rather than, you know, just having like a flat to-do list of like, oh my God, like here's a to-do list and there's like 20, 30, 40 things on there <laughs> and they all sort of have equal weight. And it's like, what do I do now? Uh, you know, if you kind of align things uh, by, by time rather than by priority or in some other uh organizational principle, uh, I think can be, can be really, really helpful. So that's one thing that I use Milanote for. Another thing I use Milanote for is a sort of a Kanban sort of board 
you know, where you have these different columns of, uh, you know, stuff that's on ice, stuff that you want to get to soon, stuff that's in progress, stuff that's, you know, done or maybe mostly done, um, stuff that, you know, like, that's it, it's over, uh, you can archive it. Uh, and you can, you know, you can decide kind of how granular you want these different columns to be, but... Um, in the past, I would have used something like Trello for this. Um, there's lots of different tools out there now that let you create Kanban boards. But, um, but I, I think Milanote is actually a really nice tool for this because it's very simple. Like the, the tools it gives you to organize stuff uh, are really more around design and visual aesthetics rather than like tracking a bunch of data. Uh, and I, I get very weary of tools, you know, when I'm in a sort of brainstorming, free flowing, creative mood, I don't want to get bogged down by like storing data and and setting things. And, you know, like, (laughs) in other words, like, I don't want to use something like Jira (laughs) to help me manage, you know, sort of like creative to do items. Uh, I want something that feels a lot more visual and fun. So, um, so Milanote has that fun factor. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just like using it to set up these columns and then just populate them with a bunch of cards for all sorts of things. Like I have a ton of open source repositories on GitHub that, you know, I'm, I'm either, you know, working on now or hope to work on soon. And this is all organized here in Milanote. Uh, I can go and go into this board and see at a glance, like, oh yeah, I'm working on this repo and I'm working on that repo and I haven't started on this other one yet, but I hope to soon. And, I can like link out to stuff that's on GitHub or wherever. Uh, it's really easy to just stick links into these notes, and um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I've I've really enjoyed this. I feel like I've tried I've tried to do something like this so many different times with so many different tools, and it never sticks. And finally, with Milanote, I feel like it's actually sticking, which is really really cool. All right, so those are some things I use Milanote for. The next tool I want to talk about is Bear. Uh, Bear is a really, really nice markdown-oriented text editor. That's, uh, you know, I think it's billed for uh, note-taking and, and, you know, sort of like in in the category of notes. Um, But uh, for me, it's sort of like a a proto-blogging tool, essentially. Uh, like I go into Bear and I, you know, write things that might eventually become a blog post or use it to organize an outline of things. For example, the outline for this very episode, uh, Fresh Fusion episodes, generally get an outline in Bear. So I can easily create headers and, and you know, paragraphs and lists and link to things and uh, and because under the hood it's Markdown, it's really easy to like copy a list of links and paste it into somewhere that expects Markdown, and you know you just get like the bullets and the li- links and stuff in Markdown, copying it out of Bear, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, it's just it's really nice. The, the the visuals, the aesthetics of the Bear interface are really nice and appeal to me. Uh, and I use it on the Mac, I use it on iPhone, I use it on iPad, and everything syncs really, really well. And that's actually one of the things I most appreciate about Bear is the syncing is rock solid. Like I've never had any issue whatsoever with syncing anything. Uh, and that's really nice when you're, you know, trying to write stuff that you can kind of, you know, pick up and jot some things down wherever. 
Another tool which also is really good at syncing, and I use it uh, less for writing and more for like, you know, the, the kind of stuff you you would think of as like a wiki, you know, documents which link to other documents and knowledge management, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and that is Craft. I've been using Craft for some time now. Um, you know, I got into it originally, like I suspect many people did, because it looked kind of like Notion, but apparently better as a kind of native feeling app on iOS and Mac. And um, yeah, it's it's just been fantastic. Uh, I use Craft, uh, again, for, for anything that's, that's wiki-like, um, you know, particularly for my business, White Fusion. I, I save lots of technical information here. You know, things that, you know, I get sick of Googling a bunch of times, like, how do I run this particular command in Linux to install this particular thing? Like, I'm done Googling that a million times. Uh, and I don't use Google, I use DuckDuckGo, but you get the idea. Uh, I'm done searching for this over and over again. I'm just going to get the solution, stick it in craft, and then anytime I have a problem or anytime I forget something, I'll just go into craft and there it is. <laughs> it's easy to search, it's easy to find. Um, so yeah, I, I just saved a ton of information in craft and it's been super, super helpful. And I'm starting to use craft now for collaborative documents. Um, I have a couple different uh, craft spaces, as they're called, uh, where I've invited other people to start collaborating, and we can basically like jump into documents and stuff stuff in there, and you know, multiple people can be can be using uh, craft to to save information and edit stuff. So uh, that's really super cool. Uh, and then finally, um, for like actual just writing, like writing Markdown, you know, specifically to to save it into a repository or to post it somewhere, you know, blogging, etc. Uh, I use an editor called Tao, uh, T-A-I-O. And uh, again, Tao is super solid as an app on the Mac, on iOS, on iPad. And um, I really, really like this. Uh, funny story, <laughs> I originally tried this out as sort of a, 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 an adjunct to Obsidian, because I was trying out Obsidian at the time. And um, you know that was only available on Mac OS at the time, uh, not for iPad and iPhone. And I was like, well, if I use Obsidian and I'm storing a bunch of Markdown like somewhere like in Dropbox or whatever to sync stuff, uh, I wonder what I could use for iOS or iPad uh, alongside Obsidian, uh, and I, you know, searched around for, you know, to see if there was a new app I hadn't tried yet that would be really nice to use, and I found Teo and kind of fell in love with that. And then, funny, <laughs> Teo came out with a Mac app using Catalyst, uh, and I tried that, and I was like, oh, this is really nice, and I, I never actually kind of got sold on Obsidian. Uh, sorry to people out there. I know there's a lot of fans who are like diehard fans of Obsidian, um, but it just didn't click for me. Uh, but Teo is really nice. So uh, yeah, I use that for lots of markdown editing and it's fantastic. All right, switching gears here a little bit from tools. I want to talk now a little bit about like marketing and content creation and finding success as a content creator. Um, any longtime listener of this show will know, um, you know, I've put in a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of effort over many years uh, trying to create and publish content of all sorts on a variety of platforms. 
And I've never achieved, you know, what you might call a, 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 a resounding success. You know, I, I, I have not uh, gotten millions of followers on Twitter or gotten hundreds of thousands of views on a video on YouTube or anything like that. Uh, in fact, why are you even listening to this episode? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, why should you take my word for anything? Um, no, really. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is I, like a lot of people, uh, am just, you know, sort of doggedly plugging away here, trying to, to, to see, see what sticks, see what resonates with people. Uh, you know, make some kind of connection with the right people. And, you know, honestly, like the more time goes by, the less I care how high the numbers are, you know, like if a video were to get 10,000 views, like that's awesome. But if it only gets 100 views, it's still awesome. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done playing these games of like, you know, how many views, how many subscriptions, how many whatever is, you know, is going to make me feel like I've arrived. Uh, and I, it, I guess if I were trying to like make a lot of money specifically from blogging or posting videos on YouTube, like, like if I were trying to make money from that, then obviously I'd have to care a lot more than I currently do. Um, but I consider this all sort of generally part of my personal brand. And if I can make money th through having had a personal brand like that's great you know for example like like if i get a new client that hires me to to work on some website stuff for, for them and the reason they've hired me to do that job is because i'm known in the industry that they're in uh in some fashion you know like like having that presence online having that reputation like that's all really important stuff so, you know, I don't mind <laughs> the idea that I've recorded 100 episodes of a podcast and I've made no money from any of them. But the fact that I have a podcast, you know, opens up some other interesting opportunity, right? Uh, that's, that's the goal here. So, yeah, along these lines, um, there, you know, there have been some interesting developments lately. Uh, the first one being, uh, I finally had a tweet that feels like it went viral, Again, we're not talking, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of anything here, but uh, currently I have a tweet that's been liked almost a thousand times and it's been retweeted hundreds of times. Uh, and that feels like a big deal. Like it really feels like, wow, <laughs> yeah, this, this went somewhere, uh, which was cool. And it, it was a tweet about a tool that's called Vanilla Breeze that I built. And uh, we don't have to get into all the specifics of that right now, but uh, suffice it to say, um, Vanilla Breeze uh, lets you um, basically copy and paste in some HTML code uh, that's intended for uh, publishing on a website that uses Tailwind for uh, its uh, CSS um, framework. Um, if you don't know much about HTML and CSS and all that, don't worry, I'm not going to get into that now. But uh, suffice it to say, uh, Tailwind is a very, very popular CSS framework that helps people design websites who are web developers. Uh, so this is a tool for web developers who essentially want to be able to like copy and paste in stuff that's been built for Tailwind, but this tool will convert it to just standard 
vanilla, as it's called in the industry, like vanilla CSS and HTML that you can use anywhere and you don't have to install and use Tailwind, uh, which is kind of a cool thing. And it's kind of novel. And that's really what I want to talk about. Uh, you know, when you hear people talk about how to go viral or how to be successful on social media, you know, you often hear things like, you know, you have to jump on an ex- uh, an existing trend or some really popular topic and, you know, kind of kind of jump on that, get in that stream and then introduce something new, something novel, maybe something edgy or controversial or alternatively something that's hilariously funny that plays into this trend and, you know, you'll you'll get all of a sudden those retweets and those likes and so forth. So so they say to go viral, you have to do all these things. And I've spent years <laughs> kind of wishing that weren't true, but I hate to admit it, they are right. I'm, I'm using air quotes here. They are right. <laughs> you do have to jump on some existing trend or topic that's become really popular and introduce something that kind of turns things on its head. And, and that's what's interesting. You, you have to have that twist. And Vanilla Breeze was a twist. Vanilla Breeze is like, hey, you can use Tailwind without Tailwind. <laughs> if you don't like Tailwind, but you like all the themes people are building with Tailwind, or you like a bunch of components out there using Tailwind, or you're on a project that already uses Tailwind and you want to figure out how to migrate some of it off of Tailwind, or, or whatever. Like, you know, if, if you want the Tailwind without the Tailwind, use Vanilla Breeze. <laughs> and, and that twist really resonated with a group of people. And that's why this tweet went viral. Finding a product like that, finding a tool like that, finding some kind of message like that, you know, creating art like that is really, really difficult, right? If, if you want to do it in a way that's kind of, you know, sincere and, and, and I was going to say honest, but maybe that's the wrong word. Like what I'm trying to say is like, like we can all do things that are outrageous, right? Like you, people can say outrageous things. People can say things that are just wildly offensive and controversial. People can say things that are just like bananas and sure they'll get lots of attention and maybe a lot of it will be negative attention, but maybe some of it will also be positive attention. And that's how you get big, right? <laughs> you know, that That's the recipe for all of these radio shows out there and all of these TV talking heads that are, you know, just the more outrageous things you say, it, it creates this social media frenzy. I've never wanted to do that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go out there and just say completely absurd, ridiculous things or do just bonkers, uh, you know, gimmicks or, or, you know, challenges and like all this kind of stuff people do to try to, you know, go viral. Like, I'm just not going to do that stuff. But I think, you know, seeing this tool get some traction, seeing things go viral, you know, getting literally thousands and thousands of views on the website, um, you know, it was a good illustration that, like, you can genuinely and sincerely have a strong opinion about something, see something maybe not a lot of other people see, build a thing, promote a thing, and all of a sudden it clicks with a bunch of people. And, and, and seeing that happen, you know, albeit on a, on a small scale here in the grand scheme of things, but nonetheless, like seeing that happen has really been inspiring for me. And I hope hearing this is inspiring for you. Like 
you can do this. <laughs> I am, trust me, I am nobody special. I'm, I'm, I'm far and away not a guru of social media or going viral in any way. Like that's that's the whole point of this. Like I've been slogging away for a long time. <laughs> and yeah, there, there's the saying like, oh, somebody was an overnight success 20 years in the making or 30 years in the making or 40 years in the making, right? And that's kind of how I feel. Like at this point, if I have any kind of success of any sort, it truly is the overnight success that's 30 years in the making. Because <laughs> I've been doing most of the things that I'm doing right now, I've been doing for a long time. I actually podcasted very early on when podcasts started to be a thing. <laughs> and like so many things I've done in life, you know, I did a little bit, couldn't figure out how to be successful at it, and kind of gave up and went on to something else. And that's happened so many times with so many things. So to be at the point where I am now, where like I'm juggling a lot of balls in the air and a lot of the balls are like staying up in the air and I'm actually juggling everything and people are going like, hey, that guy's a juggler. Like to, to have that kind of feeling is, is pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm not just saying all this to toot my own horn. I'm saying it because you can feel that. You can feel awesome. You can have the success story. Uh, you, you just got to keep at it, right? You can't give up. You know, I, I can throw out a whole bunch of platitudes right now <laughs> and they're all going to sound very cheesy, but they're true. Like, don't give up. Keep at it. Keep trying new things. See what sticks. You might have to try a lot of different things before something sticks. You might have to tweet thousands of tweets <laughs> before you get, get a viral tweet, right? You might have to post thousands of videos on YouTube. You might have to start channel after channel after channel and post all sorts of things in all kinds of ways. And then all of a sudden, something's happening. Um, speaking of which, uh, I am active again on YouTube and, uh, you know, chasing every little view there. <laughs> and, you know, not a ton is happening yet, but something's happening. Like, across two different channels now, I have a couple hundred views in the last 30 days, actually last 28 days. And that's kind of cool, right? Like many, many hours total of view time has been spent viewing content I've created. Wow, <laughs> that's better than zero. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I just feel like, uh, you know, with a lot of different things I'm doing right now, uh, things that in the past just felt like they were going nowhere. And I've talked about that on this show. I've, I've recorded podcast episodes of Fresh Fusion in the past where I was just kind of like, I don't know, folks. <laughs> um, but at this point, it's like I can feel the momentum starting to build. I can feel the, you know, the, the algorithms are just starting to kick in and the messages are just starting to get out there and the tools are just starting to resonate with a few folks and and it's cool and again like I'm not taking any of this for granted and you know perhaps tomorrow everything falls flat on its face and I'm starting over and you know whatever like I'll I'll take it as it comes but um but I just you know I want to say again not to beat a horse to death here but you can do all of these things. There, there is nothing stopping you except you. 
Um, and th- this is the final thought I'll leave you with. This is this is my parting piece of advice. Uh, don't overthink things. <laughs> don't worry about your content publishing schedule. Don't worry about like doing every little thing just right the way the pros do it. You know, don't obsess over your thumbnails. Don't worry about you know if your color grading was quite right in that one scene of that one vlog. I posted a vlog episode recently where when I was editing the video, I realized there was a really annoying hair in my nose and it was like illuminated by the sunset. And like, here I am. I was in Seattle. I'm in this beautiful area of downtown Seattle along the waterfront and the sun is getting ready to set and the lighting's really nice. And I have this darn hair in my nose and I'm just like, ah, and there's like this one other hair that was like sticking out sideways and the back of my hat or something. And I'm just like, ah, this is so annoying. But like, post it anyway. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Move on. Like, you're probably going to be much more annoyed about it than anyone else. Or maybe not. And even then, who cares? Like, I watch vlog episodes from the professionals, like literally episodes that are getting hundreds of thousands of views. And, you know, if I start analyzing what they're doing, I'm like, Oh, there's like a spot on the lens there. How annoying. Oh, wow. Like that person's hair looked funnier. That dude had like some weird thing stuck on his beard when he was, you know, walking around this place. And it's like, yeah, that happens to everybody. Everybody has a weird hair somewhere. Everybody has something stuck on their beard. Everyone has a hat that, you know, has a stain on it or something. There's grime on your lens and you didn't realize it. Like, that that's happening to everyone professional or not so when you're creating things when you're when you're writing a blog post when you're working on a new piece of open source software when you're recording a podcast episode you know when you're writing a new book or whatever it is you're doing just don't overthink it <laughs> obviously you want to do your best you want to try to be professional about what you're doing and create something that's high quality but Like, you can only do what you do. So do your best, and then publish it and move on. Just don't think about it too hard. And the worst thing you can possibly do is try to, like, map everything out in advance. Like, oh, I'm going to have, like, all of the ideas for all the episodes, like, all, you know, lying out in front of me like a carpet. (laughs) And I'm going to walk down the carpet and just publish episode after episode, everything planned out in advance. Forget it. That, that has never worked for me. Having like a bunch of stuff planned out in advance has never worked for me. What works for me is to think, I need to record a new podcast episode. Grab a mic, turn on my computer, load up the software, press record, and start talking. That's how you create a podcast episode. Same thing with vlogging. Here's how you create a vlog episode. Grab your camera, turn it on, look at the lens, and start talking. <laughs> It sounds really simple. It sounds simplistic when you put it that way. But it's true. Like, you just got to keep doing it. So, so much about content creation is about your workflow, about your motivation, about what you're trying to communicate with people. And you can get really obsessed and down in the weeds of, you know, the, the quality and the equipment and, and the, the storylines or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, your schedule, like, 
what's the point of making these videos if I can't publish it every week at a certain time? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, just stop. That That's going to trip you up so bad because <laughs> it has me so many times and I just need to forget it. Like, the, the, the more I think I need to vlog, the less I will vlog. The more I think I need to record podcast episodes, the less I will actually do it. So it's not about what you need to do. It's about what you want to do. So you have to work on that. You have to work on the motivation. You have to work on the workflows. You, you have to remove the friction. <laughs> that, that's such a key thing. Removing all of your friction from the process. Like sitting down to record a new podcast episode should feel effortless. Sitting down to write a new blog post should feel effortless. You know, grabbing your camera, turning it on and vlogging when you're out on a walk or whatever it is you want to do, like it should feel relatively effortless. You Once you get to that place, that sort of, you know, Zen master kind of place where it, it stops really feeling like work and just kind of becomes part of your routine, part of your environment, uh, that's when you can really get in the groove and start creating art. So, so everything you should do should be focused on uh, you know, reducing friction, getting motivated, uh, knowing that you have something that people want, knowing that what you're producing has value, and and that's how you're going to get somewhere. Not obsessing over views, not obsessing over, you know, what is somebody going to think of this, and oh, I should do that because that's what the professionals do, or oh my gosh, I'm so busy, I don't have time to do this regularly like the professionals would do, so I shouldn't even bother. And uh, you, you got to get out of your own head. <laughs> uh, again, I've been through all of it. Everything I'm telling you right now, I've made all of the mistakes. I've done it all wrong. I've mostly done it all wrong. I see tiny little glimmers of hope that maybe I'm doing some things right now, and it's very exciting. So that's what I'm sharing with you all. Okay, folks, that's it for today's episode. It went on a little bit longer than I would have liked, but uh, I think this is all kind of a bunch of stuff that's been pent up in my mind, and I wanted to share it with you all. I hope it was uh, enjoyable for you, and I hope you got something out of it. If you have, I would love to hear about it. You can send me an email, jared at jaredwhite.com, or you can contact me on Twitter, where I am at Jared C. White. Thanks again, folks, for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.